0: Something about Mary to just Alan. My name is Daniel Weatherly, I'm 37 and I'm from England, I'm from Kent in the south of England. And as it happens, I'm a seminarian, I've just completed my fifth year of formation with two years to go to priesthood, which is incredibly exciting and incredibly frightening and awe inspiring at the same time. And I want to talk just really about Our Lady and the role she's played in my life to date and especially my vocation. From my very earliest days, my earliest memories, I knew that I had two mothers. My earthly mother, who I loved very much, and also my heavenly mother. And the way I came to know of her was in the most simple way. It was through singing Marian hymns, especially in the month of May when we went to church. My mother was a faithful churchgoer and we all went along, no question. <laughs> and um, another way, which was very, very beautiful, was on the dressing table in my mother's bedroom, my parents' bedroom, was a statue of Our Lady of Fatima. I didn't actually know this was the Blessed Mother of God, and I didn't know it was Our Lady of Fatima. It was just a beautiful statue, and she had the famous crown in her head, and it was in fact one that you could take out and put in again with a little hole in the head. <laughs> and I loved playing with this statue, and with all three of us, me, my brother and sister, be lying on a bed after a bath on a weekday or a Sunday evening whatever it was and um, I'd reach for that statue and I'd play with the crown and I just held the statue and I knew that the mother who was cleaning my ears or whatever was actually not quite as important as the mother who loved me in heaven and it's easy to say that looking back now because at the time I didn't know that but I did at the deepest sense of my being I knew I had two mothers and I was being held by both of them and in a way my childhood wasn't terribly easy we had a lot of family problems personal problems but Through all of it, I knew that I was being held by the hand by my Heavenly Mother. Now, I always wanted to be a musician. We had free instrumental lessons at my school, where I grew up in Portsmouth. And I took up the violin, not because I knew anything about music or the violin. In fact, I'd never seen one before. But I wanted to play the trumpet. And I couldn't get a sound out of the trumpet in the first lesson, because my teeth were wonky. So the teacher (laughs) said, why don't you go next door, join the girls, and play the violin. So, red-faced, I went into the room next door. I opened a violin case and fell in love with the violin. And all through school, all I wanted to do was to be a violinist. So I worked very hard at the violin and nothing else, I'm afraid. I didn't learn anything at school. And uh, <laughs> I worked my way, amazingly, through to music college and I won a place at the Royal College of Music in London. Now, in one sense, I had the most amazing four years there because I was surrounded by musicians of international quality and just the most stimulating environment. It was also scary, not just because it was terribly competitive and often backstabbing, but I was living with very, um, should we say, emotionally and worldly driven people who lived off adrenaline. And you could say that the atmosphere at Music College was like a, a, a melting pot in a negative way of, of very, um, should we say, undesirable lifestyles. And I felt myself very, very, very confused because the normal behaviour that was going on there was really abhorrent to me and yet I felt kind of left out of things. And my Catholic faith, which had been so much part of my life, in fact it wasn't a part of my life, it just was the basis of my life, suddenly in one way I was embarrassed about it and in another way I didn't want to let it go. So I found myself making a decision. I was either going to throw myself completely into being a Catholic or I was going to give it up. I wasn't going to do anything half-heartedly. I didn't play the violin half-heartedly, so how could I be a half-hearted Catholic? So sadly I chose to drop my faith altogether, and I stopped going to Mass on Sundays, and I stopped saying my prayers. And after a few weeks I was so empty and lonely that I couldn't find a way to get back to my faith. I knew nothing really about my faith, except that it had been part of the rhythm of my life. I had no Catholic friends. And in my holidays, when I'd go back to my parish in Kent with my parents, there was almost nobody my age that I could talk to, and certainly nobody that was interested in talking any more than about whether or not the homily was any good, or whether they liked the hymns that were sung. Now, in answer to a great prayer, which was a prayer of pleading to God to get me out of London, really, and to give me a worthwhile job, a way of employing my violin playing for his glory, really, although I didn't know it at the time, I got offered a job in the Holy Land to teach Palestinian children, and I did that for two years. While I was there, this amazing thing happened. I started reading the Bible, which I had never done in my whole life, except for exams at school for GCSERE. On my day off, I'd go into Jerusalem, I'd sit on the Mount of Olives, and I'd watch the sun set over the old city of Jerusalem, usually crying my eyes out, and usually reading the Gospel of John. And I just knew for the first time in my life that I wasn't reading it alone, and that I wasn't reading a story that I was actually encountering a person, that that person was not only with me as I read those words, but was actually speaking those words to me personally. And I knew from that moment on that I couldn't ignore my faith and, more to the point, I couldn't ignore Jesus Christ. But again, I had the same problem. Although I lived in the Holy Land, you'd expect everyone to be faithful and religious. Many people who were religious were religious for cultural reasons, I'm afraid, more than um, spiritual or authentic reasons. I didn't know what to do. I'd heard of this thing called the Internet. I've never actually been on the internet, I'm still a complete technophobe. But I heard about an internet cafe in the town where I lived. So I went into this internet cafe and I saw this little box that said search. So I just typed in the word Medjugorje. And I'd been to Medjugorje as a child, amazingly, with my parents and my brother and sister. And I had a very, very strange time there. I was a 10-year-old and saw all these signs and miracles and I just did not know what to make of it at all. It was out of my comfort zone, it really was literally out of my comfort zone. But there was something about that word, Medjugorje, that really attracted me, and I could still remember how to spell it. (laughs) So I typed that into the search engine, and hundreds of thousands, perhaps millions of pages, came up. I just clicked on the first one that made any sense to me, and it was just called My Home Medjugorje. And it was the most beautiful website, full of very badly spelt English, awful grammar. But I could just feel the Holy Spirit coming out of this website. It was amazing. I devoured the whole thing and left a message on the guest book. And the chap who actually wrote this website got in touch with me. And over the, the course of the next few weeks I poured out my heart just asking all these questions that I'd never had a chance to ask or ne- never taken the opportunity to ask about my faith and got amazing answers. He was no theologian but he loved God deeply and especially his Blessed Mother. And I knew that Our Lady had found me again and that I was now back in the fold of the church and I started going to mass again and the rest, as they say, is history, really. Now, I've got this lovely image that occurred to me just a few minutes ago while I was starting to talk. It's that when we were children, I remember one of my earliest memories, my mum, when, when we were first walking and we'd go out shopping and poor mum had three under five, she would, <laughs> she would fasten reins onto like a little pack on, on our bodies so that we could walk but she would be able to keep an eye on us at the same time. That would seem probably really cruel and non-PC to do now to children, to tie, <laughs> tie them on with reins as you go shopping, but I realise now that it had two functions. One was so she could keep an eye on us, another was to let us, to let us explore, but to be free. And I think God wants us to really enjoy this world, but at the same time, our freedom is our greatest enemy, at least our liberty is our greatest enemy, because we can choose to do bad things with our lives and to distort the goodness. And I like the image of the rosary as being those reins of our Heavenly Mother holding us, and us holding her, so that we're free to enjoy this wonderful world, but that she's always there guiding us, not just keeping us away from evil, but leading us ever closer to the goal, which is not just to understand our faith better, but to know her son better. I've come to realise now that it's not possible to love our Heavenly Mother too much, because she only ever leads us to her son. And... All I can say is that I'm very excited about being a priest. Like I said, I'm full of awe that I know that my Heavenly Mother is with me. and um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the adventures she has in store for me. And I try and pray the rosary as often as I can because I don't want to let go of those reins.